Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. We're in a new series started last week, but I, I bet you this has happened to you, and I know it's happened to me. You've met someone that you've admired. You've like known them from afar. Uh, maybe they've taught you some things. Maybe they've been some of inspiration to you. And then you meet them in person, and you realize they're not perfect. Has that ever happened? Yeah. And uh, maybe, and you realize they're not invincible. Uh, and you realize you caught them on a bad day. Oh, this person has bad days too? And, and it, was, it was sobering to know that. And maybe you've met someone who you've seen accomplish a whole bunch of stuff, and then you meet with them, and you're like, oh, they failed at a lot of things too. They didn't accomplish everything they wanted to accomplish. And what, what you've done in that moment, and what happens when that happens to us, is we, we don't discover anything unique about them. We discover something that's true about them. We just we realize they're human, right? Like you, like me, they're human. I often, when there's uh, even other Christian leaders that I have learned from and grown from and get to meet them sometimes and then just realize a sobering fact like, oh, they go through bad days too. They're struggling through stuff. They're, they're not where they, where they really believe God wants them to be and they're moving in that direction. And here's the reality. Our, our limits are normal. And we're not talking about limits today, but that kind of maybe just helps us understand that our energy, our time, our skills. And I want us to keep that in mind, that image in mind when we meet someone and we realize, oh, they're human too, as we jump into this morning's text. Because we started a new series last week called Relational Optics, how we see each other in relationships. And last week we had this phrase, and I'll put it on the screen again because it's really important. What we see in people shapes how we relate to people. What we see in people shapes how we relate to people. And last week, we started with a really foundational lens that each of us are, are, are meant to have. And we, see it, we saw it in the scriptures, in the, in the Genesis account in creation. And it was this phrase that we ended up finishing last week. I believe you bear God's image. I believe you bear God's image. That whoever you're in relationship with, a sibling, a friend, a, a spouse... To, to really look at them and really believe this, they bear God's image. And we, we realized like last week through the text that every person we lock eyes with has value, intrinsic value, and they also have a vocation. God has called them with a creative mandate to be part of, of nurturing, caring for um, the, the world around us. Now, there's more, though, to how we see people, Right? in our relationships. I know last week when we, we ended there, I, I, just, I had this assumption, and I would think this too, it's like, well, is that it? Like, is that the only lens that we look at people with, you know, that their image bears? And so we're gonna fill in the sentence again this weekend. I'm gonna start right off the top, fill in the sentence. Okay, so here's the word we're gonna fill it in. When we look at someone, we wanna say this, I believe you are human. Is that up there? I believe you are human. Now, I could have wrote fragile, imperfect, uh, maybe a level of brokenness, sinful. There's all these pieces also of what it means to say, oh, they're human too. And uh, there's a text I want to jump into that I think is going to help us out today with this. And it's in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 3 to 8. So we're going to read it together and think about, kind of unpack this phrase. So here, here's what Paul says to this first century church in Rome. As they're like learning how to follow Jesus, as they're learning how to be a community, as they're discerning each other's gifts in ministry, this is what he's, he tells them. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, 
but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though we are many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Just pause and pray. Guys, we reflect on this text and and, and ultimately the whole story of the scriptures today, God. We just long for you to speak to us and help us to discern um, the relationships we're in and the kind of lenses that you equip us with in your word um, in how to relate to one another. Uh, But ultimately, God, we just, we want to create space for you to speak uh, in our gathering, to go beyond my words or the songs that we used, um, Lord, because you, you just, we want you to have your way in each of us today, and so we want to make room for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So one of the reasons we're looking at this text, and we could probably look at a few other texts to help us understand our humanity, I think this text is humbling. Uh, and it was humbling for the church at the time that Paul's writing to. Many of you uh, would know this name. His name is Tim Keller. He's a pastor or uh, a pastor in New York City. Recently this week, if you have any connection to probably the Christian world, you would have heard that Tim Keller passed away this week. And uh, after uh, three, four years of, of struggling with cancer, uh, he passed away. And he was just an incredible um, person and uh, who really followed Jesus well and loved the city and um, was an incredible pastor. And so many people are just sharing incredible themes from his life that have really impacted them. And there was one, this one, I've read of several of his books, but his real smallest book is called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And he, and he says this, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself, it's thinking of myself less. That's what he said in that little book, a great little book. And that, little, that phrase just reminds me, I think of what Paul's getting at in trying to teach us humility in this part of Romans chapter 12 because Paul notices something in this church that he's writing to. He wasn't much different for, it wasn't much different for the culture around them. The culture was struggling with this too. And the word uh, that I, I read that caught my attention this week was supermindedness. That they, were, they had a supermindedness about them, this elitism. And if you were a Roman citizen or you lived in the Roman Empire or the whole culture of Rome, there was a supermindedness to Rome. Like, we are Rome. We are the best. And we rule the world. And so Rome thought of themselves much or a lot. And this was creeping into the church too. For those who were beginning to follow Jesus and beginning to serve and minister in the church, some discovered a gift they had and maybe another discovered another gift they had or maybe God was using them to help some people come to faith or maybe God was using someone to teach or someone uh, to help them read scripture or worship or maybe to make the bread that they shared during communion or the meal. And so all of a sudden, this was creeping into the church. It sounds like, oh, look what I do. And Paul says this phrase in verse 3 that's, I think, really important for us. He says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, 
but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. That phrase is a really important phrase that we could just dwell on, and I'd encourage you to think about it, journal about it, ask the Lord to help you think about that more. Think of yourself with sober judgment. And probably in this church, there was some super-mindedness going on. When I was a teenager, we would say, that, that guy thinks he's all it. It, like just the word, you know? Uh, and like, yeah, they, they just think they're it, whatever, right? That, that's what I remember saying as a teenager. I don't, know what, what, I don't know what the big word today might be, but there's other words. But uh, maybe the Roman church had some people with some extraordinary gifts. And maybe someone looked at a, someone else and said, oh, they think they're all it. Or maybe that person themselves thought, I think I'm really it, because they were doing some stuff. Paul says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Now, this has nothing to do with self-esteem. It has nothing to do with self-worth, because Paul also penned the words we read last week, you are God's masterpiece. So this is not to diminish anyone's self-worth or self-esteem or understanding of their value in Christ. But he was bringing correction to the super-mindedness that was growing in this church that he, he wanted to speak into. And there's two big ideas. In just this short, this short passage, verse 3 talks about how everyone has been given faith, or this idea where in accordance with the faith, God has distributed to you. And it's tough to say, to say that this means that someone was given this much faith and someone was given this much faith or someone was given good faith or someone was given bad faith. That's not what it means. I think it leads to this idea that they've all received the gospel. They've all heard of the faith. They've all been given this faith and that faith helps them understand who they are in Christ. So the gospel helps them realize everyone is unconditionally loved. Verse three, Paul says, all of you have been given grace. And the word grace there is the word gift, this sense that, that God gives gifts to his people in the church to serve one another. And so where the faith is everyone's loved unconditionally, grace is everyone's given a spiritual gift in the church as they follow Christ in a supernatural way God uses people. And so if this is true, we're all unconditionally loved, we're all given a gift. Paul says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Have sober judgment of yourself. So I want to flip Paul's direction here because Paul's speaking to you as you read the text or to me as I read the text or to the Roman church as they read the text. But I want to flip the direction of Paul's instruction. And I want to flip it this way. What about how we think of others? To think of others with sober judgment to think of others with sober judgment. And here's, here's why I say this, because there's a temptation in all of us to not just have a super-mindedness of ourselves, but to have a super-mindedness of other people, where we admire people, we look to people, we're like, oh my gosh, they're amazing, or we're in relationship with someone, and we have these expectations that we have now created for them. And sometimes we expect them to be something or to do something that they're not meant to be or not meant to do. And we look at them with this super-mindedness where I think we can take this instruction from Paul and not just look at it for ourselves, which is very important, but to also how we look at others. Because when I view someone as perfect or when I expect someone uh, to be this, this, or this, then I automatically create this expectation in me that they're gonna meet my needs in the way that I want them met because I perceive that they can do this. So we expect people in our life to be perfectly healthy, physically, mentally, perfectly mature, spiritually, emotionally, 
And then we place these expectations on them, sometimes expectations they can't live up to. And that really hurts our relationships. That really hurts how we, view, how we relate to people because how we're viewing them. And we end up relating to them out of their expectation, not their reality. Or out of my expectation, not their reality. And that's really key. And so here in this text, I just want to tease out two things that I think are helpful for us. What lens can we put on as we're relating with people in our lives? A sibling, a friend, a spouse, a neighbor. And here's the first thing. The gospel reminds us something about each person that we lock eyes with. Obviously, it reminds us of ourselves, but it reminds us of each person we lock eyes with, that everyone lives with a level of brokenness. Everyone lives with a level of brokenness. Yes, Jesus rescued us. Yes, Jesus forgives us. Yes, Jesus even transforms us. But we still live out of a level of brokenness, even while we're growing. Even while we're growing. So the person that you're in a relationship with also lives with a level of brokenness, even though they're growing. And it amazes me when I read the scriptures because when we think of spiritual growth and spiritual maturity and where we want to reach and achieve, I mean, we read it from even Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, you know, as you attain this and become this and grow towards this, God has given the church gifts so you can become mature. We long for this, right? And then I'm always amazed when, when James writes something like this in the New Testament, confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. And I'm like, who sins? I thought he's writing to Christians. Like, oh, okay, they're, they're sinning. Like, they've, they've, been, they've fallen. Something's happened. So James says, confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. Or when John says, confess your sins because he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And I'm like, but, Paul, but John's writing to Christians. And he's older now. Hasn't he seen all these Christians become perfect reflections of Jesus? I guess there's been some level of brokenness along the way that still pops up, even though they're growing. Paul amazes me when he says, I don't do what I want to do, and I end up doing what I don't want to do. And this is the one who planted all these churches in the New Testament, and he's very vulnerable in this moment and says, man, sometimes I wrestle with the tension of the level of brokenness that is still creeps up in my life and in my heart, even though... Jesus is Lord, and Jesus has changed me and is changing me, even though I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Paul says that, and I'm, that, that amazes me. These people are all saying, oh, there's Christians that still struggle, wrestle with a level of brokenness because of sin. That's important, because as we look at the biblical story, and we looked at it part last week, right? Like, we're created in God's image, we're image bearers. The Greek word for image is the word icon. And so one author talks about how we, we're an icon of God, in a sense, an image. And, and an image bearer, we are image bearers, but we're also now broken image bearers. We're cracked image bearers. And as Genesis 1 and 2 says, yeah, we're image bearers, and we have the value that is inherited through that and the vocation God gives us through that. But then as we keep reading the story of the scriptures in Genesis 3, especially from Genesis to 11, Genesis 3 to 11, all of a sudden, these image bearers, this sense, like, humanity starts to spiral downwards, and it gets really, really bad. Like, Genesis 3 to 11, just look at the spiraling down of humanity. 
until God reaches in with a plan to rescue the world from its brokenness as he initially chooses one man, Abraham, to become a nation, and the fulfillment of that would be to send his son, Jesus, to rescue us from the effects of sin and that brokenness that we all deal with, to renew and restore cracked image bearers. But we're still people on the way towards that, even in Christ, and we still struggle with a level of brokenness. I, 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 don't, wanna, I don't want you to like, maybe you're gonna like meet someone today and say, what'd you learn, what, what, was, that, what was church about today? Oh, we, we learned we're all cracked. <laughs> um, <laughs> we learned we're all, we're all broken. Uh, I, I don't want you to have that one image there, but it's part of what it means to be human. And one day, there will be a full restoration of what God is doing in our lives. But in the process, we're still growing. So why highlight brokenness? Why highlight our brokenness as a lens to see the people we're in relationship with? Now, it's this, it's this reason. Scripture doesn't lie to us. Scripture does speak about our intrinsic value but scripture's also honest about our own brokenness. Our inherent brokenness as, as sinners, like you know, Paul reminds us, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, where we've all been implicated by sin. But even as some come to Christ, to also be honest with that brokenness. Paul was, James is, James is. We see other parts of the New Testament that help us about that. Tim Keller, and I'll quote him again today, and, and we can quote him all the time he's great but this is one of his most famous sayings and he says the gospel is this we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe yet at the very same time we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared to hope so this is the idea right there's an intrinsic value in us the gospel tells us we're unconditionally loved but the gospel also reminds us that there's that we're flawed and that's why we need Jesus but here's how it impacts your relationship and my relationship on a daily basis because we still live with a level of brokenness even though we're, we're in the process of transformation. It's this. We sometimes need to understand our friend is dealing with a level of brokenness. That our spouse, surprise, is dealing with a level of imperfection. That our sibling, surprise, is dealing with a level of fragility. And, and all of a sudden, when we put these glasses on and say, oh, they're not perfect. Oh, they're not 100% mature. Oh, they're not 100% arrived. It, that impacts our relationship. Because someone can never be everything you expect them to be. Someone can never be everything you expect them to be. I, trust me, I've tried with relationships in my life. I've really wanted them to be everything I wanted them to be but I realize that they'll never reach that, that perfect image. Um, so that's why I think in here we, we get this call. You are called to have a sober judgment of the people you're in relationship with. Not a super-mindedness, not a hero complex, definitely not a Messiah complex, not a life jacket, like they're the only life jacket to you. And uh, when, when, when I do premarital counseling, I often encourage couples to say, just like, if, as, if you're followers of Jesus, remember, Jesus is your life jacket, not your spouse, because you're going to drag them, you're going to drown them down with you. If you think they're your, li they're your only life jacket, you're going to drown them down with you. You both need to see Jesus as your Savior, not each other. Um, 
So when you look at the person you're in relations with, do you believe they're human? Or do you believe they're superhuman? <laughs> do you believe they're human? Years ago, my wife and I uh, invested in a whole, this, is, you might sound, this might sound extreme, a whole week of marriage counseling. We went out to Northern California. We spent eight days there. And seven days was my wife and I and a counselor for seven days from morning till supper. Talk about like intense counseling. So, but it was, it was amazing. Now, that, now, before we went to that, that week long, like we, we received surveys and questionnaires and all this kind of stuff and think back to moments in your life and important moments, even accidents. And one of the, one of the, there was a moment when the counselor asked me about an accident I had when I was 12 years old. I'm like, what's, what's that about? And so I, when I was 12, I was riding my bike in Laval and back then, uh, anyways, I'll tell you the story. I smashed, into, I smashed into a bike post. Now, back at that time, bike posts weren't the nice plastic ones on hinges where you just kind of cross over and it falls to the ground. Like, th this was like a big cement, like, foot and then, like, a very thick metal post and then, like, a, a metal sign. And I, like, smashed into that, turning the corner. And uh, I hit the front of my head. I cut it open. I had stitches. I cut my lip. I broke a tooth. And... Um, so the, the counselor was, was asking me about that, and uh, he knew that it, it knocked me out. It cut a hole in my forehead and all that kind of stuff. And, the, and the, the counselor said, do you know when someone damages their frontal cortex like that, that they, they, lose a, they can lose attention quick, or they can forget what they're doing, or they can struggle to stay on small tasks? And my wife's eyes opened up. <laughs> She's like, now I understand you, Dave. Now I know what's wrong with you. <laughs> Her eyes were, no, Franca realized, I mean, she already knew this, but she realized in a, in a more profound way, oh, Dave's not perfect. No, just joking. <laughs> in fact, I was broken. Now, I would, I would love to tell you how Franca was broken, but she's not. She's perfect. She's wonderful. And there we go. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> But if I were, I wouldn't because we're on live stream and it's going to last on the internet forever and we're just going to... Then I will have another frontal cortex injury after the, after the gathering. But seriously, that, that week away reminded us of two things. It reminded us, it reminded us of what we love about one another. It reminded us of some incredible strengths that we have and reminded us of, of good things in us. But it also helped us understand that we, each of us, still live with a level of brokenness. And that we have to recognize that level of brokenness if we're going to relate to one another better. And that's so, so important when we consider the people we're in relationship with. They each deal with a level of brokenness. And that has to be one of the lenses we have when we're in relationship with them. Now, Paul, as he, he continues in this text, he mentions that as Christians, anyways, we're all part of the body of Christ. And it's helpful in our relationships as well to understand that just as the church is the body of Christ and the church has different people in the church have different gifts. Paul says something wonderful here to help us right size our expectations of one another, because he says that not just by faith that we've come to know Christ, but he says by grace, in God's grace, this gift to us, even in our brokenness, God gives us gifts. Even though we're not fully mature, we're not, have not fully attained, God gives us gifts by his Holy Spirit to use those gifts in the church. Now, we have some of those gifts. You have some of those gifts. I have some of those gifts, but you don't have all of them, and I don't have all of them. 
You know, that, that's just a reality, that we cannot fulfill the function of every body part. And that's really important in a relationship too, whether it's a friend or sibling or spouse or neighbor. Your friend, your sibling, your neighbor doesn't have it all. They don't have all the capacity. Your spouse doesn't have it all. You wish they did, but they don't have it all. And if we never realize this for our relationships, we will never relate accordingly. We'll never relate accordingly. We'll always hit a wall because we will always want them to have these gifts and these gifts and these gifts. And the reality is, is that God has designed us with a few. This is not to stunt your growth or to not, you know, give you space to learn and grow things, but it's part of the reality of how we're wired as humans, our personality, our gifts, our capacity. Now, when I think about my kids, uh, I, I wanted, like, I've, I, grew, I grew to be a reader in my 20s and 30s, and I really wanted my kids to be readers. And in many ways, they are. But I was hoping they would have been these voracious readers at like 8 or 9 or 12 or 15 or whatever. And uh, th- here was the two problems with my expectation. The first problem was I could have read with them more. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I look back, I'm like, well, Dave, why didn't you read with them more? Like, why are you putting this? And then I realized I only started reading in my early 20s. Why am I placing an expectation on an 8-year-old or a 12-year-old that I only learned in my 20s? Like, what am I, now, it's not bad to encourage reading. Do it. I think it's great. But I'm looking back to myself. Why would I put that expectation on them when, one, I wasn't helping them that, as much as I could have? And, hey, I only caught this later on. And so, and sometimes I did the same with music, I did the same with other things, and I realized that sometimes I placed, I wanted them to be good at everything, and I realized, well, maybe they're not wired to be good at everything, but they're wired to be good at a few things. And that's the beautiful thing. They are good at, some, at, at, at a few things, and really, really well, and I love that about them. But I've realized, oh, why am I putting that expectation on them? And just like Paul's body metaphor in the church, they are each wired by God in different ways. The people we're in a relationship with, they don't have it all, but they've got some wonderful gifts. So to right-size that. And the honor, to honor the measure of grace that has been given to the other person in your life is to, is to understand their pace. Their pace could be different than you. To understand their giftings. Their giftings can be different than you. To understand their capacity. Their capacity could be different than you. And then to be able to relate with that person with that understanding rather than saying, oh, they got to have my pace and my capacity and my giftings. Then you're just placing that on them. Once you work with that, you start to see that your relationship grows better and you can actually work together better too, whatever relationship that is. And so put put these two together. The level of brokenness we deal with and yet the beautiful way that God has given us gifts but not all the gifts This is one of the ways that when we look at someone that we're in a relationship with, we can say, you know what? I know you're an image bearer of God. And that is value and vocation. But I also recognize you're human. I believe you're human. And in your humanity, you still live with a level of brokenness. And in your humanity, out of God's grace, by design, you have unique gifts, but not all the gifts. And that lens helps us, in fact, changes the way we relate to people in our lives. Now, I just want to add a caveat here, because before we take this so literally, 
here's what I'm not saying, and I don't, even, I don't believe the scriptures are saying this. Someone's, whatever our level of brokenness is, does not cancel out our value as image bearers. Whatever our level of brokenness does not cancel out our value as an image bearer. And whatever our, our level of brokenness, this is really important because some, some could leave today and just take this so literally and apply it to themselves or someone else. I want to say this. This does not move one's responsibility to grow. This does not remove one's responsibility to grow, to be, to do, to love in, in increasing ways. It's like if I, you know, take my bike injury at 12, doesn't give me a pass at being a jerk at home. Doesn't, doesn't give me a pass at being insensitive or lazy or saying whatever. I, I, it's like, yeah, but remember that accident in my prefrontal cortex, you know? <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, I, you've had 30 years to grow, like, you know, to see how you can work through this. So I think it's important. Now, it might increase my wife's understanding of me, but it doesn't decrease my responsibility to keep growing. That's really important. So our level of brokenness and our, our level of giftedness can increase people's, like our understanding of people or people's understanding of us, but it doesn't decrease our responsibility to keep growing. So don't use this as an excuse for a whole bunch of things blanket in your life. I, that's really important because we don't want that. And that's not, that's not the nature of what we're saying today or what the scriptures are saying. But it's this, this belief about people in your life Remember, it doesn't give them a free pass on a lack of growth or lack of responsibility. But if you don't see the humanity in people, if you don't see the humanity in your friend or your sibling, your spouse, your neighbor, whether through their flaws or through their gifts, you will keep struggling to grow in that relationship. You will keep struggling to grow in that relationship. So I just want to close just with that thought, just to be reminded of this. And it's so important because the gospel doesn't lie to us. It speaks to us about God's unconditional love for us. It speaks to us of our intrinsic value, but it also speaks to us of the brokenness that we struggle with because of sin. And even as Christ followers, where God has rescued us in Christ for the long run from all of that, in the middle, in the in-between, between now to when the scripture says, when he appears, I will be like him. That's going to be a great day. My prefrontal cortex won't be a, an issue then. That's going to be a great day. But from then till now, uh, from now till then, sorry, we all, the gospel speaks that truth to us. It doesn't want to lie to us. And by God's grace, he gives us some gifts, but he doesn't give us all gifts. So I invite you to stand as we pray. And, uh, and wrap up today and, and just bring this to the Lord. And like we did last week, maybe there is a person, the, maybe the first person that comes to mind that you're in a relationship with and you have failed to recognize their humanity. You have failed or missed recognizing the level of brokenness in their life. Maybe you have failed to or, or missed discerning their gifts versus the gifts they don't have. And as you think about them, just allow the Lord to remind you to see them as human. Imagine yourself, yourself telling them, I believe you're human. I recognize that.
God, we, we're thankful because uh, your word doesn't lie to us. It doesn't try and, you know, put us up on a pedestal where it's unnecessary or it also doesn't want to drag us down. You tell us the truth. You help us see that in our humanity, through the fall of man and, and sin, we are, even though we are your image bearers, we're a cracked image, we're a cracked icon. We, we need the rescue of Jesus, your son. But we thank you that you don't lie to us, that you tell us the truth for our good. To help us also see our need for you and the right kind of sober judgment of ourselves, but also for others. So we invite you, Lord, um, through the gospel you've communicated to us, through the grace that you've given us, Lord, to have sober judgment of the people in our lives. Help us to see them in the way that we're meant to see them for the relationships we're in. And God, remind us today as we, as we leave that we also, um, in a humble way, are wrestling with a level of brokenness. And we just, we rush to the foot of the cross because we long for the continual restoration and hope of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for the, in your grace, distributing gifts to your people. And we treasure and celebrate those gifts. But God, also help us to have a sober-mindedness about who we are, our gifts, and the gifts of others. Because ultimately, um, you are our king. We bring glory to you. And you long for us to be in relationship in community, in the church, but also, God, in these personal relationships we're in with our lives. Um, may your gospel transform the way we interact with each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.